Good morning, everyone. It's your favorite chief medical resident, Megan Snuckle. Today, we are doing a special collaboration with the Women in Medicine group here at University of Connecticut. Over the next month, I will be adding a few podcasts that highlight different women in our program on different topics pertaining to being a woman in medicine. I'm hoping to inspire some young women out there that they can be and do anything. For each interview, I will have an overall theme for each discussion, but we'll allow the interview to be organic and we'll see how things end up. Our theme today is being a leader. So I can't think of a better way to kick things off, but with Dr. Rebecca Andrews. Dr. Andrews is our Associate Program Director at University of Connecticut. She is the Director of Ambulatory Education for our program. She's also a Professor of Medicine and recently became the Chair for the Board of Governors of the American College of Physicians. Not only does Dr. Andrews wear many leadership hats, but she is also a mother to two beautiful boys, a cat mom and a dog mom. She is one of my personal mentors, life coach, and someone I hope to be like someday. She is one of the biggest advocates for residents and their education. It is my absolute pleasure to have you here today, Dr. Andrews, and to pick your brain on how to navigate the waters of being a female leader in medicine. It's my pleasure. That's a wonderful intro. I might have to say that. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I mean every word. Um, so let's get things going. Um, first, could you tell our audience a little bit of background on your journey in medicine and how you came to the leadership roles that you are in? Sure. Um, you know, I'm from a family that really hadn't had anyone enter into college before, so I was the first one to go to college in medicine. So it was an adventure for me and my family. Um, my journey in medicine was a little bit different. I, I got married right before uh, medical school, and then I had my first child right before residency, and then I got divorced as an attending. So I have had like a personal life that had gone has gone on along with it that has had as many changes as we have um, in medicine. And I think um, I ended up in leadership roles because I really like change, and I like to try new things, and I get um, bored easily. And there, there's always an opportunity to make a difference in leadership roles. Um, and I think you, know, you have two options. You can complain about the way things are, or you can take part in, in making it better. And so that's kind of how I ended up where I was. I could not agree more with that statement. I really, I, um, I resonate with what that, what that means. Um, and part of the reason why I'm also in leadership. Um, but not, obviously not to the degree you are, but hopefully not one yet. Day. <laughs> <laughs> um, so were there any, you know, you talked about some personal challenges that you faced throughout your journey. Um, can you speak about any specific roadblocks um, that kind of changed your way into how you became who you are or, and, and really in a bo both a positive and negative way of, of how it shaped you? Yeah, so I think, like, looking back on how I was raised, my mom was so great. Um, you know, I was raised by a mom who said, you have a great brain, you're, you should use it, and it will open doors for you. And that's that's the positive. That's how a, a roadblock of, you know, maybe not being from a wealthy um, or well-educated background really did not stand in my way. I think I would say, like, from a roadblock perspective, it, it falls into a couple of categories. Uh, the first would be, you know, personal life, right? Mm -hmm, so yeah. having a child or going through a divorce or even getting married and having a spouse to, to be concerned with Definitely. can 
can add a complication to trying to just go to work and do your job. You have another facet of your life, but it can also bring great joy and remind you that there's more than just medicine Mm -hmm. out there. Um, And I know raising my kids has given me a lot of creative problem solving that I wouldn't have had if I didn't have kids. I think the other category of sort of roadblock was the, I'll call it the brains and beauty, um, you know, sort of argument. If anyone happens to think as a woman that you're good looking, there's there's often a trade-off that they think that you also can't be intelligent or smart or a good leader. Um, and, and I think that that's something that men don't have to deal with. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and navigating that at times has been difficult. And the third I'll just categorize briefly, and we can talk about it later if you want, but the, the gender issues as far as... Um, not quite sexual harassment, but yeah. yeah, and and sort of the assumptions that are made. Mm-hmm. You know, as as a woman, it's assumed that I might not want to change my job if my kids are in school because I should be a primary home taker mm-hmm. or you know home carer rather than putting my career first. And and I think that that can put up roadblocks to opportunities if people are making those assumptions, and it's happened to me in the past. So, um, we'll definitely want to reach upon or talk about that as well um you know you mentioned about the you know the brains and beauty aspect of being a leader really in any field um but since we're talking about medicine if if there's any thing that you can kind of give to our audience on how you navigated maybe a specific situation and how you would advise our um young gals to to navigate it um i know from recently doing the microaggressions lecture, um, you know, the amount of women in that group that really spoke out and said, hey, this is happening, you know, from little things to calling being called hun or sweetheart or, you know, being referred to the, the nurse despite, you know, introducing yourself as the doctor. Um, you know, do you have any words on that? Yeah, so I think one thing I, I would say is I would go back and do some things differently. I spent years dressing differently mm-hmm. um because not almost dressing down right because yeah. i wanted to minimize look so i could highlight um my intelligence and i would go back and i would tell and do it differently and i would tell you now like you are who you are mm-hmm. like you should just own it um and i think women have this particular challenge of how to be assertive but not considered aggressive mm-hmm, or like mm-hmm. the B word, right? Like yeah. how do you do that where guys can just be like, hey man, don't call me that again and people listen to them. Right, right. Um, and so I, I think that I found a lot of um, resourcefulness and objective data. So I can say to my patient who might call me hun or a nurse and say, well, lucky for you, you have a female doctor today. Let me show you the study sent to me by my mom that says that female docs give better care and have better outcomes. Um, And I, you know, I think not taking it personally, but doing it from an approach of educating people has at least alleviated some of my personal frustration. Mm -hmm. You know, when I get told that women don't work as hard as men because they also do childcare or they took maternity leave, it really, really like presses some buttons for me. Um, But I think navigating it as best as you can 
um, taking a seat at the table instead of letting people make you feel uncomfortable and sitting in the back row. Mm -hmm. Like just pushing yourself outside of your comfort zone and owning it uh, is my best advice because you're not going to be able to change what everybody else thinks of you. What you can do is change how you react and promote yourself even in the face of that. Oh, that's such great advice. I really... I, I think that that's really important because it's, you know, to to provide education for your patients or your male colleagues is um, such a, you know, leader way of handling something versus, um, you know, getting upset and, and sitting in the back corner because you're, you know, afraid or, or don't want to be put your put self and you put yourself in that, you know, spotlight. So that's thank you so much for that. Talk to you about your specific goals that you had in mind for your life and how those has cha- those have changed because you're a woman or because you are a mother um, and if it, that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, wow. Um, you know, the road of life is, is windy for me and I think that that's a glorious thing. Had I not had any of those roadblocks or become a mother, I think my original goal was to be a cardiothoracic surgeon. Um, not that, I don't know, maybe I would have been great at it, but I have so many strong skills and things like difficult communication and collaboration that I am just thrilled with where um, I ended up. I, I think what I would say is I had foresight for what I wanted. I wanted to be able to change things. I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to look back and, and have a legacy of I did this or I was a part of this and look what it has become. And I think um, between the roadblocks and just life, what has happened is I have two wonderful children who are a legacy who think that their mom, who happens to be a single mom, is like, and my son posted on Twitter, my mom is the hardest working single mom I've ever seen and the fact that she gets paid less than a man just blows my mind and isn't right. And so I've raised these two beautiful boys who advocate for me. My youngest the other day, one of, someone who came to the house to fix something said, hey, do you need me to do this for you or your husband? And my son turned around and said, no, my mom's going to do that herself. Yeah, good for him. I know. Oh so, my goodness, so I, I love have, that. I have this unexpected legacy that is really important to me. Um, and And I never expected to be in leadership. I really wanted just to be great at clinical care like mm-hmm. I wanted to excel at clinical care and um, being open to opportunities that come your way so those roadblocks sometimes think of it as fate think of it as your religious higher power or whatever you think of it just kind of maybe redirecting you to some place that you should be and I think my approach to it that way has allowed just this blossoming and growth of a whole career that I really didn't expect um, And there were some roadblocks, like I've definitely met some queen bee women who are the, I had to drag myself up one rung at a time, Mm -hmm. and so you can do it too. And having seen that once, I never wanted to be that. Like I truly believe that women, one of our strengths is that we can help each other rise and we should lift each other up. So like I think that's how those roadblocks got me where I am today. And you guys, the residents, so I don't know, I sort of fell into this, our women in medicine group, and yeah. it's been one of the most joyous things that I have done with a residency program. 
Um, we have this like little community of women and I, I don't know, like the residents are equally supportive of me, making sure I take vacation time and am I stressed out and how am yeah. I doing? So Well, we all care about each other. Yeah. Sure. But I think that's something that's really unique and I don't know that guys have that. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe we will interview a man in the future and, <laughs> and ask them too. But, you know, so two things popped in my head while you were while you were answering. Um, you know, you mentioned that you raised two boys that um, have empowered you to be such a um, strong woman. Um, and you also were talking about the um, compensation gap between men and women. Do you think you know, with the exception of just educating from an early age, <laughs> which you have, um, that men can play a role in in um, equalizing this gap. And, and can you speak about that a little bit? I think not only can they play a role, I think they have to. So I was at an AMWA meeting actually with one of our residents who was presenting a poster. And if women are to do it alone, it'll take, I think they said, another 100 years looking at how slow the progress mm -hmm. has been. Um, I think what, uh, you know, there are men out there who really get this. Even if you are out for yourself and that's all you care about, mm -hmm. you need to realize that when people are paid less for doing the same amount of work or they don't get the same benefits and the same opportunities, that reduces some of their joy um, in their career. Mm -hmm. And they may burn out. And if they burn out and they leave, guess who's picking up their work? Mm -hmm. So paying people what they're worth, regardless of gender or age or race, really makes a difference to the whole of the community. Um, and so I think men have to get into that fight or women are gonna leave medicine. We mm -hmm. saw this during the pandemic. We already do even when the best partnerships that are heterosexual, women are still doing more of the childcare at home, more of like the cleaning and those kind of home home duties. Whether we're doing it or it's expected, doesn't matter. It's just that's what the research right. shows. And with the pandemic, huge chunks of childcare fell to us too. So women are leaving medicine in droves and there's not enough docs. So. Right. You know, men have to get involved. Compensation has to be equal, or or we're going to have a real crisis on our hands in healthcare. Yes, no, definitely. Why do you think there is a gap in compensation? I know there are. You know, I've I've read and watched you know TED talks and whatever and different theories of why this is. What is your personal take on it? Um, I think I I think I have a, a couple of ideas. I think. As collaborative personalities, women like to work together. We're um, traditionally caretakers. I think making demands is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Sometimes conflict is uncomfortable. Um, sometimes it's, you know, the research that says we won't take a job until we're 90% ready for it, but men will do it at a much lower readiness percent um, is similar to asking for, for money. Mm -hmm. um, the first time I negotiated you know, a package, I, you know, I said, well, I've worked for you for a year. These are my outcomes. I've outperformed everybody else in the office. This is what I want. And I remember sitting there sweating and my heart was pounding. And it was one of the most difficult asks I've ever made. Mm -hmm. And he didn't blink an eye. I said, of course, you're absolutely right. And it was based on objective data. 
And I walked away saying, I clearly didn't ask for enough. (laughs) (laughs) So, so I think in one sense that I've read a lot about the history of how the wage gap started in, in overcoming history and culture is, is always hard. And then I think the third area or cause, which is really frustrating to me is something that you know, on social media, my sister dragged me into this conversation and there was a gentleman that was like, of course women get paid less. They take maternity leave and sick leave for their kids. And and so I think that there is a lack of, you know, ignorance, not meant rudely, but ignorance, like lack of knowledge yeah. that, no, I actually didn't get paid during my maternity leave, right, right. right? Like I took my four weeks vacation and then the rest of it was unpaid. So right. I shouldn't be dinged twice. Yeah. And and I think that there's a lot, like people don't understand that as a woman, you may yeah. work just as many, if not more hours. Right, right. Um, no, I think that's true. There is definitely a lack of education regarding that too. Um, you know, you mentioned something about um, being assertive when asking for a raise or, or advocating for yourself. Do you find that, and we kind of touched upon this before, but do you find that as a woman you kind of get labeled that B word or like too assertive um, for doing really the same thing? Yeah. And, and, and I'm sure, you, I'm, I'm sure <laughs> I, I know I personally have, and, and I, I struggle navigating that, that yeah. conversation and, and that label. So if you have any tips for me, that would be great. Yeah, so, I mean, I've been told that I'm intimidating. Um I've been told that I'm too serious. I've mm-hmm. been told that I should stay more in my lane. Um, yeah. lot, lots of things over, over the years. And I'm thankful to have had mentors along the way who have repeated phrases or words that I've said or, you know, echoed what I've said in a meeting to help me know that I am on the right path in yeah. none of those things. Again, I think it's, it's part culture yeah. um, that, that as women, we want to be viewed as kinder and warmer. And, and what I've learned is you can be warm and you can be right and you can be assertive mm-hmm. and you can be kind. And all of those can happen in the same package right. in the same conversation. Um, Do you change your, um, have, you, have you changed your, I don't want to say personality, but the way that you approach things because of people telling you those things? So I'm laughing because my um, best friend says that there's um, home Rebecca, mommy Rebecca, and work Rebecca. <laughs> and she loves work Rebecca. She thinks uh, work Rebecca is like tough and yeah. hard as nails. And um, and I would say that I, I probably just, I've had a lot of grit. Like I came yeah. from a poor background and I had to fight and claw my way through a lot of things. And I think that I have learned to... Um, resurface those skills Mm -hmm. at at work um but I also hit 40 and have decided that I I don't care so much if if people think that I was too assertive I'm pretty sure even at my most assertive I am kind and thoughtful Mm -hmm. um you know I'm always careful to look at all sides of the story and consider everybody's point of view um I am never out for myself and I'm often promoting others. So I think if you do things with that kind of a mentality, you are not 
assertive in the wrong way. Right, right, right. right. And we associate this negativity with being assertive as a woman, and it's not good. I know. And can I just say, I um, <laughs> I totally understand what you mean by having, like, different almost personalities, depending on where you're at. Uh, sometimes my mom will call me, and, you know, she'll say, um, oh, you're at work, I can tell by your voice. <laughs> because exactly. I'm just, like, in, I'm in a mindset, and that's what I'm doing at that moment. Um, so, you know, I, I think we'll try to wrap things up. Um, but I had one, uh, last question for you. Um, and something that I actually, it's one of my biggest challenges that I face as a leader and being a mother as well. But, um, could you speak briefly on the strategies that you have as being a mother while wearing many hats? Um, so, you know, basically to put it simple, like how do you juggle your schedule while making everyone feel like they're their number one priority? I know you've spoken a little bit about this to me, um, but for our audience members, like yeah. really how you do it all. Sure. I, so I really try to be present. Um, I use my iPhone with the do not disturb on it when I'm home or in a meeting that I can't be bothered. Um, I have a special ringtone even for a text for my kids. So they're on emergency bypass, oh, which wow. sometimes is annoying in a meeting, but I never have to worry. I miss an important text from them. Yeah. Um, I love I, that. I would say the little things count. So when my 13-year-old texts me that he just got a 95 on his science test, pretty much no matter what I'm doing, I text him back, unless it's like an urgent um, patient issue. I schedule time with my kids, just like I schedule time for important meetings or when Mm -hmm. we have like a mentoring session with a resident. Um, So I do things like take them on dinner dates Mm -hmm. or individual vacations for a few days where... I can be present and forget about other things. It is not the quantity of time. I guarantee you, like anybody listening, it is the quality of the time. It is the amount of eye contact with your kids or with your partner or with your spouse Mm -hmm. or your parents. It is the amount of real listening. My kids know if I say, "Uh uh-huh, 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 three times, they will tug on my shirt and say, no, I need you now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, And it's a great reminder to me. You utilize your family and your loved ones. Say, you know that I'm busy. If I seem distracted and you are feeling like I'm not paying attention to you, grab me. But by the same token, I I will often draw a a box around myself when I'm home with the kids and say, okay, I'm stepping into work right now. (laughs) I have a meeting. So no, we're not doing algebra homework right now. Right, right. Um, But there's no place in your life for mommy guilt. There is just not. It yeah. is a useless emotion that doesn't help you. Just show people they're as important to you no matter what area of your world they're in by scheduling time, making eye contact, remembering details, mm-hmm. and, and being fully present when you can. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's good to know because I, I, I um, the mommy guilt, you're right, it, it doesn't help really anything and uh, it shouldn't be present. Somehow it still <laughs> keeps trying to creep in, you know, yesterday as I'm, you know, trying to coach a resident through their CPC presentation that they had today while I can hear my son in the background screaming because he doesn't want his father to brush his teeth, but he wants his mommy to brush his teeth. You know, it's like you feel that bad, but, you know, you have to put that that wall up and, and know that you have to do both things. You have to yes, but I heard that the CPC went great. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that your son's teeth came out fine. Yes, Um, it all comes out. I think, remember, we have like a 30-year career. Yeah. You have 18 years with your kids. Right. Yeah. I, that's, yeah, that's powerful, definitely. 
Well, this has been a wonderful time. And you know what? It really was so easy to talk to you and you're such a um, advocate for women and residents. And I just want to thank you so much for taking this time um, to talk with me. And well, it was my pleasure. Yes. One of my favorite chief residents. <laughs> <laughs> you really are. You know, I'm going to steal this word from you, but you are a champion of women. And I, I really love you for that. So thank you so much. Um, for our audience, stay tuned for our next episode coming soon. We have some topics. We're going to discuss subspecialty fields um, with women and also an episode dedicated to family life and medicine. If there's anything specific you feel I should cover and um, you want to hear about, feel free to reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.